Hi, this is Matt Shaw, pastor at City Lift Church. If you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love for you to come visit us on a Sunday sometime or join us online, citylift.church. We hope today's message fills you with courage and helps you on your spiritual journey. We exist just to help people meet, know, and follow Jesus. Enjoy today's message. Such a pleasure to be here. As Pastor Matt just said, uh, my name is Matt. And I, uh, my wife and I, Katya, who's up here in the front row, we've been here for about three years in Fort Lauderdale, been able to call City Lift our home for about two years now. And it's been an amazing journey, a journey that we appreciate being able to engage with all of you as a part of learning what it means to live the Christian life. And right now I'm, I'm working uh, about 10 miles up the road. I work for a, a marketing and video production company. It's a great company for the past 10 years or so. I've been trying to figure out how do I do this thing that I call everyday ministry? How do I live out my Christian life in the day-to-day? And, and how does work incorporate in that? And it's not easy. It's something that I have, have had some success in and, and a number of stumbles. And when I was thinking about what, what I was going to talk about today, Pastor Matt asked me to, to speak this morning. And I was trying to think through what is something that is on my heart that I would be able to share this topic of everyday ministry is what came to my heart. Something that I feel is powerful, something that can change our lives, not only to help us personally, but also to help those around us. And so today we're gonna get into this topic of everyday ministry, talking about work as worship. And so before we join into that, dig into that, I'm gonna say a quick word of prayer. Lord, as we heard this morning, all we need is your love. We need to hear from you this morning and we ask that you would be able to speak through this message today, be able to speak into our hearts, open up our lives so that we would be able to love you well and love others well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So who here has had a bad job? Raise your hand if you've had a bad job. Most of the room is raising their hands, okay. I originally, when I wrote this, I was going to call out people and have you explain what was your bad job, but then I thought maybe your boss is in the room, and so you didn't want to do that. So I'll go first. And so my, my bad job, I've had many different jobs. Only one of them I would qualify as a bad job. It was when I was an umpire. And I was an umpire for second grade girls softball, which was rough. This was back in Ohio. It was 100 degree heat in the summer times. And I would go as an umpire. We, I think we were underfunded. We only had one umpire for the whole game. And so I was the umpire. I would stand next to the, the probably nine-year-old girl, second grade, nine, ten years old, right? Something like that. And they would be trying to learn how to pitch the ball. And these, these, these girls, they would get up to the, the pitching mound, and they would try to throw the ball across the plate. So those who are not familiar with, uh, with baseball, there's a home plate. You try to get it within about a foot of the home plate. You get above the knees, below the shoulders. And these girls were very, very much struggling to be able to get the ball across the home plate. And so I would be getting up in the morning. I would be mentally preparing to be an umpire. I would go show up, and these girls would try to get the ball across the home plate, and they were failing. And then they would start crying, which was fun. So I'm, six, I'm 16 years old. I'm standing next to these crying girls day after day as I'm an umpire. I'm trying to encourage them how to throw the ball. And then as they were crying, I tried to encourage them by just calling balls that were probably not strikes, strikes. So the girl would get up there and then she would throw it around the head, which it's really supposed to be just below the shoulder. So throw it around the head. I would say, all right, that, that's a strike. That's a strike. You would have thought that I committed the worst sin that Ohio had ever seen because the other parents went ballistic. They lost their minds saying, what are you doing? You're blind. 
that's not a strike. So then, okay, I, I tried to encourage the girl to get it across the home plate. She gets it across home plate, she hits it to first base, and then the, the, the runner comes by. I think it's a close call, I call her out. The other team goes ballistic. And so all of a sudden, I've got both teams crying, I've got parents yelling at me. It's the middle of the summer heat. It was my worst job. And I kept thinking, what is the point of this? Why am I doing this? I'm not paid very well. I don't enjoy this. It's terrible. It feels like I'm suffering for no real reason. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of us get to that point in our lives with different jobs that we have. It could be through uh, uh, an office job. It could be being a full-time mom. It could be a fisherman. It could be a dancer. We get to points in our work that we ask ourselves, what's the point? What's the purpose? Why am I here? And I believe that the God who created this universe had purpose in organizing over half of our life to be committed to work. Over half of the, the waking hours of our life, we're going to be doing some type of work. And I think that there is a purpose. There is a point. And so I want to look at scripture today and try to see what is that purpose and what is that point. So the first point that we have is that work is good. I don't think that work is a bad thing that we have to just endure and get through. I think that's missing the point in the Christian life. I think that work is good. And I think that because when we take a look at scripture, we see that work is not a consequence of the fall. Work was existing in the Bible before the fall. So the fall happens in Genesis 3, but in Genesis 1, right after God says that he created the world and it was very good, here in Genesis 1:27, he says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them men and female. He created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number, being able to grow something. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over it. Rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, over every living creature that moves on the ground. So right away at the beginning of creation, God tells us to be managers, to be leaders, to be organizers of the chaos in the world. And then in Genesis 2, it goes on to say that the Lord, took, the, the Lord God took man, put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. So from an early point, before the fall ever happened, people were given work to do. Adam was a gardener. He was, he was sent into this garden to be able to organize it, to be able to tend for it, to be able to create food, to be able to provide for his family. Work was originally a good thing, and I believe it still is a good thing. It wasn't until the fall happened in Genesis 3 that work became difficult. In Genesis 3, it says, cursed is the ground because of you. This is right after the fall happened, right after the first sin happened. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles. These are the difficulties. These are the hot weather nights. These are the parents yelling at you from the stands. You will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. The reality of our current work is that we live in the post-fallen world. We, we have some difficulties. We have troubles. We have thorns in our life. When we go to work, it's not always easy. We deal with clients that are uncomfortable. We deal with kids that are not fun to, 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 to bathe in the evening. But work itself is not a bad thing. It was a part of God's initial creation. And I also believe that not just because of the Genesis story. I think it is true because when we look at Jesus' life, Jesus is the son of God. He was sent to live here on earth, the perfect demonstration of what type of life that we were not able to live. And Jesus spent over 20 years working. When we take a look at Jesus, he, he was sent to live the perfect life 
before he was sent to die in our place for our sins, and he was sent to a family that was a blue-collar family. God could have sent Jesus to any type of family. He could have been a priest, just like John the Baptist was sent to a priest's home, and he was daily committed to prayer and studying of scripture. He could have been sent to a Pharisee's household, just like the Apostle Paul was sent to a Pharisee's household, and they were committed every day to just be focusing on the Old Testament scripture. How do you live out? How do you engage the Old Testament scripture? But Jesus was sent to a different type of home. He was sent to the home of Mary and Joseph. He was sent to a construction worker's home. Sometimes in, in modern English, we call it a, uh, a carpenter. Uh, a lot of theologians, they, they actually think the, the word that we've translated as carpenter means builder. Someone that would be like a construction worker, working with their hands, getting dirty, day in and out, building large buildings or large structures around town. And so learning how to build from an early age, Jesus spent 20 years of his life, that's about six times more time he was building, he was acting as a blue-collar worker than he was in, quote-unquote, full-time ministry. I don't think God would have done that if there was no purpose in his work, no purpose in what he was doing for 20 years. And lastly, the reason I think that work is good is that we have an example of heaven having work in it. It's perfect work. It's going back to what God originally created in the Garden of Eden. But in Isaiah 65, it says, that they, us, Christians, when we're in heaven, will be building houses and dwelling in them. They will plant vineyards, eat their fruit. No longer will they build houses and others live in them or plant and others eat. For as the days of a tree, so will be the days of my people. Listen here. My chosen ones will long enjoy the work of their hands. They will not labor in vain, nor will they bear children doomed to misfortune, for they will be a people blessed by the Lord and there in their descendants with them. When we take a look at the, the, the true biblical picture of heaven, it's not looking like the, the cartoons. It's not sitting on a cloud, just doing nothing, chilling on a beach. It's being able to engage in this continuous work that God is doing to rebuild society, rebuild the world. It's an active invitation that God is giving us forever in eternity to be part of his building of creation. It's never ending. And it's an active piece. And that's why I think that that piece of heaven, it starts here on earth. It starts right now when we get to engage work in our daily lives. So that's why I think work is good. But if work is good, then what is the point or what's the purpose of work in our specific lives? And that gets me to the second point, which is that work does have a purpose. Work has a purpose. And so first and foremost, I think that the purpose of work is to bring glory to God. If you can pull up 1 Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians, we see that work says that, so when, whatever you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So that could be filing reports. It could be, like I said, feeding the kids in the evening. It could be going out fishing. It could be dancing. It could be managing some type of Excel spreadsheets. Whatever you are doing, God calls us to do it for the glory of God, not for the glory of our colleagues, not for the glory of ourselves and being able to get a paycheck, but do it for the glory of God. And a little later in 1 Corinthians, it says that, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, fully committing to the work that's in front of you, not just getting by, not just waiting until 5 o'clock hits, not just saying, TGIF, it's Friday, I'm going to just check out early, but committing yourself fully to the work that's in front of us. And so when I show up to work on Monday, it's not for my boss that I'm showing up. 
It's not for my, my colleagues that I'm showing up or my clients. It's for God that I'm choosing to show up and drive to work. When I give myself fully to taking care of my customer, yes, it's for my customers to show love and care for my customer, but it's, it's also for God. It's to be able to glorify God through the work that I'm doing. There's purpose in the work that I'm doing. God cares both about what we are doing and he cares about the way that we are doing it. God calls us not to have a hard heart or, or a bitter heart when we're trying to serve people and help people. He's calling us to be glorifying God, have a mindset that we are doing this not just for the present moment, not for the paycheck, but doing it for him. And that's part of the purpose that we have as we're glorifying God through our work. And with that, I think that God gives us callings to work. There's the general calling, and then there's also a specific calling for a specific type of work that you've been given talents and treasures to be able to engage in here in the world. Gordon Smith, he, he calls out three different callings in his book, Courage and Calling. Gordon Smith, if we can go back a slide, actually. Yeah, he, he calls out three different types of callings. The general calling is the calling that we all have as Christians. So we're all called to recognize that Jesus is king. We're all called to repent. We're all called to love God and love our neighbor. But then we all have a specific calling in a certain way. We, we might be dancers. We might be talented to be, able to, uh, to, to, to be able to show beauty through the way that we are dancing. We might be very good at excel and be able to help people to manage their money well. We're all uniquely gifted and uniquely called for a specific purpose here on the world. And then there's this immediate calling, which is, who is the person in front of you today and how are you called to love and serve them? I might be called right now to be creating jobs for people who need income and to be able to provide for their family. But today, in this particular moment, maybe I'm called to take a break from my job and to be with one of my employees and help them deal with the loss of a loved one. That might be my immediate calling. And so for me, this was really helpful to think through, yes, I'm called as a Christian to be loving God and my neighbors. I'm called as an individual with a specific calling in my life. And then what is my, what is my immediate calling today? That's important for me to ask when I drive to work in the morning. And a little later in the book, Gordon, Gordon Smith, he says that a calling is always a demonstration of the love of God in the initiative of God. So it's, a, it's proof that God loves us and he's initiating in a relationship with us. But more, it's through vocations, through our work, that we come to an appreciation that God takes us seriously. For me, this was really powerful because God doesn't need us to work. He'd never needed to make creation in such a way that Adam had to go into the garden and organize it. He didn't need for us to be building homes and building all these structures around us. He could have created all of that without us lived a perfect life. But he takes us seriously. He wants to be in participation with us, in relationship with us, to be building a new heaven and a new earth here. He takes us seriously, and, and if you take, if God takes your job seriously, I think that we should also take it seriously. It's, it's, there's purpose in that work. We also see this in scripture when we take a look at different types of work. Unfortunately, I think in the Christian world, sometimes we get caught up in thinking that pastors and missionaries, they're at the top of a pyramid, they're, they're closer to God, they're more important, and everyone else is down below. In, in fact, we have a little graphic here. Sometimes we think that pastors, they're, they're up closest to God, then we have people who help others. They're uh, social workers, they're teachers, medical workers, doctors. They're, they're still helping people, so they're closer to God, but they're not quite like the business people and the, the lawyers and the traders and the politicians that are at the bottom. 
That's how we can sometimes think. And, and the way for these people to redeem themselves, those who are at the bottom, the, the business people, the politicians, is they can use their money and they can just finance the people at the top. They can throw their money at the missionaries, at the churches. That's their purpose. But I don't think that's true. I don't think that that's correct. I don't think that's the, the image that we have in the Bible. In the Bible, when it talks about work and it talks about engaging our lives, it doesn't use the image of a pyramid. It uses the image of a body, that we as the body of Christ are uniquely talented, uniquely gifted. Some of us are gifted in the area of athletics. Some of us are gifted in the area of teaching. Some of us are gifted in the area of being able to consult and, and counsel people. And each of us uniquely gifted have a unique calling, a unique purpose that God wants to unlock to be able to serve and love those people that he created here in the world. And so I think that it's not just through being able to go out and make money and then invest that money into ministry that you have an opportunity to be a full-time minister. Even this term of being in full-time ministry, I think it's unfortunate at its core because we get to just put the, the responsibility of ministry on our pastors or on the missionaries who are raising capital. I think all of us are in full-time ministry because we are all part of the body of Christ. We are all given the Holy Spirit who lives in and through us, and we all are called to be sharing gospel in our daily life, morning to evening. Now, that all sounds good, and the, the purpose of being able to be in work and to be able to love God and love others through our work, it, it, it's made sense to me for years, but transparently, where my challenge is, it's being available for people. Who knows that people are not easy to deal with often? A little messy, right? And if people are our purpose, if being able to love and serve God and, and serve others through our work is our purpose, my biggest challenge, my biggest barrier to being able to love and serve people is my calendar. I try to fill it up. I try to be efficient with work, efficient with my rest time, and I don't leave margin to be available for people. And if, when, when speaking with mentors, they've told me that the biggest impact that they're able to make in people's lives is to book out time to be available. When I have a work break, let's say it's a five minute rest break to be able to have some coffee, five minutes is not usually enough time for me to actually engage with a colleague and have a conversation about how they're doing in their life, what's, what's going on in their life, and be able to respond in an emotional, connected way. And so for that reason, some of my mentors, they've told me that the best way that they've been able to be marketplace ministers, to be using their work as a form of ministry, is to go out to lunch with people or have lunch at the office with people. And when you sit down for lunch, being able to ask someone, how can I pray for you today? It's somewhat socially normal to sit down and, and pray before eating. So you can say, look, I'm a Christian. I'm going to pray before my meals. There's something I can pray for you about. And that just opens up the door, opens up a conversation. But it takes intentionality to be able to set aside time to be with someone, not just heating up your meal and then eating it back at your desk, but being able to engage in relationships with those people that are around you. And I think that all of us have coworkers who would never step foot here inside of CityLift. All of us have people who we might work with or, or colleagues, clients, that would, would, would not be comfortable stepping foot into a church. And the beauty of us as a body is that we get to go into their space. 
we get to go into the world and we get to bring the gospel to them. And I think that is a part of the purpose of work, the part of the calling that we all have to be able to love God and love others. Unfortunately, Pastor Matt doesn't have access to all of the people here in South Florida, but that multiplies when we are able to take the gospel out, when we are able to be intentional to create time in our schedules, in our calendars, for the people that we know, our friends, our colleagues, our clients. And I think that is a part of our challenge and our calling. And then the last piece here is that work is worship. I think that work is worship because when we are worshiping God, what are we doing? We're acknowledging who he is, we're thanking God for the love that he has already shown us, and we're giving thanks for that. And when we look at scripture, in Colossians 3, we see that God says, whatever you do, which includes work, whatever you do, whether work, indeed, do it all for the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. It's not secular work that just, it, it's not related to God, it's not spiritual. All that we're doing is supposed to be for God, for his purpose, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Later on in Colossians, it says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. Listen to this. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Again, when we are dealing with a difficult client, when we're dealing with people in our workplace, it's not the, the, the person that's sitting in front of us that we're doing this for. That can be difficult to, to get up our courage or to be able to love that person if it's just for that person that I'm doing this. But it's, it's for God, the Bible says, it's for God that we are choosing to love and to serve others in our community. And I think that the act of work is meant to be an act of worship. It's meant to be thanking God that he's been able to give us an opportunity to make money, thanking God that he's been able to give us some talents that we can use to solve problems in our community. And that's how I see what work is. It's being able to see problems in our workplace and be able to create solutions for them. If you're a business person, you're looking at problems in the community and you're trying to create a product or a service to solve those problems. If you're a mother, you're looking for challenges that your kids are going through and you're looking for ways that you can help them overcome those challenges, solve those challenges. And through solving people's problems, through, through helping people to solve what they're going through at the moment, that can be for God as an act of worship. Now, when we are called to, to be doing these things, Ecclesiastes says that whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. You're supposed to be working in excellence. We're supposed to be giving our whole hearts to the work. But nowhere in scripture, and this was encouraging for me, nowhere in scripture does God call us to be successful. He calls us to be obedient in the work that we're doing. He calls us to work hard with our whole heart, with our whole might. But it's up to God to make our work successful. And as we are called to be obedient, the reality is that God never needed us to work, as we mentioned earlier. God could have done all of our career without us. He doesn't need us, but he invites us into this relationship. He invites us into being able to serve him as an act of worship so that we can have that closer relationship with God. So that worship doesn't end here on Sundays, but it continues over into Mondays. And as we are invited into that, it means that God cares about what we're doing as soon as we leave this building, as soon as we go out to our homes, into our families, into our colleagues, into our workplaces. He doesn't need us, but he invites us to be a part of him in his work in redeeming the world.
And God's already reconciled our lives through giving his son, Jesus, to live a perfect life, to die on the cross in our place for our sins and to rise again. But God's work here on earth is not done. He's inviting us to be a part of redeeming all the broken things that still exist today as heaven is coming down to earth. And I'll finish with this. In Isaiah, it paints a picture of the type of work that God envisions for us, the type of work that we are called to be living into and to be searching for. In Isaiah, it says, this is the kind of fast day that I'm after, to break the chains of injustice, to get rid of exploitation in the workplace, to free the oppressed, to cancel debts. What I'm interested in seeing you do is this, sharing your food with the hungry, inviting the homeless, in, inviting the homeless poor into your homes, putting clothes on the shivering ill-clad, being available to your own families. Do this and the lights will turn on and your lives will turn around at once. Your righteousness will pave your way. The God of glory will secure your passage. Then you will pray and God will answer. You'll call out for help and I'll say, here I am. So friends, I don't know what you're going through at work. I don't know how difficult it is if you've got a bunch of yelling parents or you've got a bunch of angry clients, but can I encourage you that your work is good, that we are called to work. Can I encourage you that there is purpose in your work? That we are called to be able to find problems in our workplace and in our communities and, and, and pray that God would reveal to us solutions that we can be uniquely solving in our communities, in our workplace. That we would be able to break the chains of injustice in our communities. That we would be able to get rid of the exploitation in the workplace. That we would be feeding the hungry, that we would be providing healing to the broken and that we would share the gospel with the lost that are surrounding us. Can I also encourage you that your work can be worship? That what would the world look like if all of us driving to work on Monday morning, tomorrow, we were able to think, you know what, I'm getting in the car to go to worship. Some of us think that in the morning when we come on Sundays, I'm gonna drive to a church and I'm gonna go get ready to worship. What if we thought that about Monday mornings as well? I'm getting in the car, I'm gonna go worship. What if we thought that when we were taking a coffee break, when we were taking a lunch break? Hey, I gotta get my heart ready because I'm gonna go worship. I'm gonna go engage in a relationship with people around us. How many lives would be changed? And I think that we can start that here at City Lift and we can start that here with ourselves. So with that, let's all go out to work this week and let's worship the God who created work. Thank you, amen. Thanks again for checking out our podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe. Share with a few friends. Thanks for helping us make Jesus famous right here in South Florida. Again, if you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love to see you sometime. Or as always, visit us online, citylift.church. Have an amazing week.